we brought in a giant, beautiful tent that is set up just on the off chance that it rains. This added an extra $25,000 to the event because our guests will not say, oh, I'm so sorry, I feel bad for you that it rained. We understand that we you know, have to have the dinner inside in a crappy little ballroom or something. No, it is not the guest's problem that it might rain. It is our problem. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where today I'm grateful for my team. My God, I've got such a good team. Like, shout out to my team. I literally could not have a peaceful life or a good business without them. And the reason why I say that is they are putting all the finishing touches right now as we speak on our first ever dinner series day and dinner event, which is literally freaking tomorrow. I can't believe it's here. I'm so freaking excited. And because we've been putting so much work into it, I figured I'd kind of share with you guys what our process is to pull off these events. Like, How do we put on so many events each year and how do we get it right every time? So if you've ever felt like running your own event or wanted to put on your own event or, you know, wanted to run your own mastermind or anything like that, this episode is going to kind of give you a lot of tips to make it successful because I'll tell you what, I realized the other day we've been doing this for 14 years now. Like Lori and I have been putting on live events in one form or another for 14 freaking years years. And let me tell you the number of mistakes and the number of processes and the number of like, oops, never doing that again, that we've learned in those 14 years is why we can put on, I'm just going to say it, what I think are some of the best events that you can possibly attend out there right now. It's 14 years of dialing it in, right? So let me kind of give you some scope. At the core, we are an entrepreneurial events company. That's what we are. When people are like, hey, you know, what is your company? What do you do? Our personal brands are really just an entrepreneurial events company. The podcast and the social media and the funnels and everything else, it just funnels people into one of many events. You know, we're not a big course company, nothing wrong with courses. Uh, we're not a big, you know, like some of the other options that people have for selling entrepreneurial or coaching type of things out there. We are strictly an events company because it's what we enjoy the most and it's what we do the best. So, for example, this year, that means we're going to do 11 or 12 big events this year. We actually call them productions because that's what they are. They're like a true production. You know, we're going to do a couple of masterminds, which is totally sold out. So, you know, there's no way to get into that one. But, you know, those are sold out, locked and loaded. One's in March, one's in October. We're going to do four roundtables. One of them, by the way, is going to be in Italy. Like, how's that for a cool little surprise? Uh, Lori has two girlfriends in business events. We've got the dinner series, which is three days and dinners which is our advanced networking program now, like we've got literally 12 or more big productions this year. 
So what does it look like to run these? What does it look like to prepare for them? What goes into them? How do we make sure something doesn't go wrong? Well, let me tell you, the planning starts long, much longer than you would ever think, long before the event. And when people like come to me for coaching or when people ask me, hey, I want to do this event. Do you have any tips? Or when they're in my mastermind, I actually coach them on it. Or if they're a client and I coach them on it, I'll tell you, this is the number one thing I see people make a mistake on. They're like, okay, let's say they come to me in July. They come to me in July. They're like, okay, I want to do this event. Uh, I picture like 100 people and blah, blah, blah. And I want to do it in August or I want to do it in September. The first thing I tell them, I'm like, that's too short of a lead time. You need a much longer planning time than a couple of months to choose the right venue, to get the right plan, to be able to, you know, hype people up to buy your tickets or enroll in your event, and then to leave enough time for people to book their travel so their travel is affordable. Like, it takes way more time. The the lead time going into you planning your event, if you're going to do one, is at least two to three times longer than you expect. So, for example, tomorrow is our first dinner series, right? Well, that planning started all the way back in September. Tomorrow was February 1st, but we chose the venue all the way back in September, six months ago. And that's where we always start, by the way, is the venue. It's always venue first because the venue will make or break your event. So matter of fact, here's how I'll do this podcast. I'll talk like venue and then I'll talk what does the team do and then I'll talk what do I personally do to make sure it's a success. I'll break it down that way for you. So I'll start with the venue. Here's what we usually consider when we're booking a venue. Like I just said, tomorrow, February 1st, first dinner series, we booked that venue all the way back in September. So six months lead time. That's because you need that much time to make sure that you can choose the right venue, not just any venue. The venue will make or break the feel of your event. And if you get it right, if you choose the right venue, it can actually save you money on things like decorations or or theme or, you know, kind of giving the overall feel to it. Choosing the right venue Sometimes you think the venue might cost you a little bit more, but in the long run, when you're doing an event, a beautiful venue or the right venue can save you money in the way that you would nickel and dime yourself, really creating a vibe, if you will. And you have to choose the best venue that you can afford, right? That makes sense in your profitability that will offer up the best vibe possible. So it's vibe first, of course, but then tied with making sure that you get the right venue with the right vibe, we make sure that... It's an easy place to travel to. I can't tell you the number of people that are like, yeah, I want to do this event and I want to have it in such and such Nebraska or wherever. Like, listen, places that are tough to get to make it really hard for you to sell any kind of event. So when you're going to choose your event venue, if it has to be your hometown, fine, I get it. But you really want to choose a place that feels like a destination. Because now people have two reasons to go to your event. One, the event itself. But two, they're like, you know, I've been wanting to go to Scottsdale in winter. You know, I've been wanting to go to Southern California in winter. You know what? I love going to Nashville in summer. So you have to make sure that you're choosing places that are easy to get to, not where they have to do a bunch of connecting flights, that are inexpensive to get to. I don't know if you know this or not, but like some cities, the airlines are literally, and the hotels are literally incentivized to keep rates low in order to make it a little bit more affordable to get to. And that makes it kind of an event center or an event hub, right? So like Phoenix is that way. Las Vegas is that way. San Diego is that way, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to make it easy to get to for your customers. Ease of travel and and the cost of travel for them matters for sure. 
When we choose an event, of course, we set aside a room block for people to stay at. And we set aside a room block. We negotiate down the cost of those rooms so it's as affordable as possible for our attendees to stay there. But then we take it a step further. We look for other hotels within blocks so that people can stay at different levels, right? We might say, hey, we're hosting it here at Andaz Scottsdale. Rooms are $4.99 a night, but you can also stay next door at the Hilton for $199 a night, and you can stay over here for $249 a night. So we give usually like three options for people to be able to find what's comfortable for them, but still be close to the event. So venue, 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 you got to choose it months and months and months ahead of time to get the right vibe, but get the right affordability. And of course, it's got to be affordable for you. It has to fit in with your budget, but always book the best possible venue that you can afford. Okay, next, what does the team do? Well, they scout everything and they present all the venues to us, right? So it's not like I'm calling around different hotels saying, hey, do you have any opening at this time? There's actually software that your team can use to be able to put in a bid like, hey, I want to have an event for this many people in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then all of the venues and all the hotels, they'll kind of bid as saying, yes, we're available. Here's what our minimums are. Yes, we're available. Here's what our F&B is. So first they get the bids, then they scout everything. We don't take any chances. It has to be a venue that we've been to or they go and they visit it. If we're hosting a dinner somewhere, they go and they visit the restaurant. If we're hosting an event somewhere, they go and they try the event. There's no taking chances, and we've trained our team to not take any chances either. So if they vouch for a place, it means they've been there, boots on the ground, even if they have to get on an airplane, so that we're not taking any chances and disappointing our customers at all. Then our team negotiates like a boss on our behalf. I've taught everybody on our team how to negotiate. Everything when you're booking an event is negotiable. The camera people, so that you can capture your event, they're negotiable. The venue itself is negotiable. The room rates are negotiable. Matter of fact, here's one of the areas that you can save a lot of money. When you book like a hotel or an event venue, a lot of times they'll say, here's the room rental, plus here's the food and beverage minimum. They might say, it's $5,000 room rental and it's $10,000 food and beverage minimum. And what we'll do is we'll say, tell you what, put all 15,000 of that into food and beverage minimum and we'll sign the contract. Now, why do we do that? Well, if they're gonna make us spend 15 grand anyways that day to host something, I'd rather it all have to go to food and beverage so we can put out better snacks, better coffee, better teas, have better lunches, have better dinners for our guests, instead of it just going to room rental. And most people don't realize they'll throw in the room rental if you up your F&B. So that's like one little trick that you kind of learn over time so that you can put, you know, spend about the same amount of money, but give your guests a much better experience. The team also brings us ideas like themes or little touches right down to if you're going to be sitting at a table for dinner, how should the table be decorated? They bring these themes and these little touches for us to say yes or no to. So many things that you guys experience at our events are because the team thought of them, not because we did, right? And they become really good at doing that. So major props to the team there. Whenever you guys are like, this place is a vibe or like, this is an awesome atmosphere or I love the way that you made this feel. Those are the little things that the team puts together. Now, this next one's really important, what the team does. They build in redundancy. I can't stress this one enough. Redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. Your backup plan better have a backup plan. If it's going to rain, you better have a place for people to go from eating lunch outside to inside that's not going to reduce the experience of the event. Here's a really good example. We had this dinner series planned, and normally it does not rain here in Arizona, uh, well, kind of ever, but especially this time of year. 
but it looked like there was going to be a 40% chance of rain and we were doing an outdoor dinner. And, uh, you know, typically it'll be like 60 degrees in the evening during dinner time. And, you know, we're going to have string lights and outdoor live music and all this great, it's going to, it's going to feel like a wedding, but we saw a 40% chance of rain starting in the evening and we start watching many days out. So what did we do? What was our redundancy plan? We brought in a giant, beautiful tent that is set up like an event tent and a beautiful event tent just on the off chance that it rains. Now, this added an extra $25,000 to the event, money that we weren't originally planning on spending on this. But here's why we spend the extra 25 grand on the off chance that it might rain, because our guests will not say, oh, I'm so sorry, I feel bad for you that it rained. We understand that we you know, have to have the dinner inside in a crappy little ballroom or something. No, it is not the guest's problem that it might rain. It is our problem. So when you have high standards, that means you need lots of redundancy. Your backup plans better have backup plans, even if it costs you a little bit more. And speaking of having backup plans, our team members, they all have checks and balances where they're checking each other's work, where they're checking on each other's timelines, where they're making sure that each other didn't drop a ball, where they're making sure that each other booked this or booked that or got this reservation or got that reservation or talked to this guest or talked to that guest. We're not just relying on one person to get their job right. We've got them checking on each other so that they can help each other and catch any mistakes that each other might have made. That's another thing you want to train your team on doing when you're going to have any kind of events. And then along the way, we have weekly meetings. That's a given. Like every week, there's a touch point. What's gotten planned? You know, what's going on? What should I know? But in the beginning, like remember I said, we booked this venue six months ago. There's usually a giant vision setting meeting, a few hours of setting the vision. What could the theme be? Dreaming up like, how cool could it be? What ideas should we bring in? All that stuff. So there's a vision setting meeting early on then a whole bunch of weekly meetings to make sure it's going along. And then a one or two final long meetings where we're going through the what we call run of show. There's this very detailed event run of show schedule down to the minute. And we literally go through, okay, from this time to this time, what's going on? What should we be aware of? What is our redundancy plan? What could go wrong? And we do this run of show once or twice in very long meetings as a team. And guess what? It's worth it because we always find, oh gosh, this might clash with this or you know, this might go long and, and cannibalize that. So it's very important to do a couple of run of shows. So that's what, you know, that's the venue first. That's what the team does second. Then what about Lori and I personally? Like how do we get ready for events while all this is going on? Well, here's a one example. I stopped drinking for a while before any event, several days before any event, I won't have a cocktail. Uh, last night, Lori and I went to dinner. Normally, we'd have one cocktail, but we didn't because we want our systems to be as clear as possible when we go into the event. We want people to get more than they bargained for. We want people to get the best, most high-energy versions of ourselves. So to do that, we have to be really clear vessels. So we make sure that we don't have any cocktails for several days leading up to any event, usually a week or more. We eat really, really well, like clean, healthy foods. So uh, leading up at least a week or two to any event as well. So that our, you know, what you eat also impacts how you feel. 
I can't show up at this event 90%. That's not what people paid for. I have to show up at this event 110% because that's what people deserve. And food is a very big part of that. And we mega prioritize sleep for the week leading up to it. Here's what I see when most people host their first couple of events. I see them staying up all night the, the night before and all night the night before that. And they're, they're setting up the decorations last minute. And they're unpacking boxes or maybe doing swag bags or whatever it is. And then they're tired for the main event. You can't do that. That's why we start so early out. We don't tolerate last minute stuff on our team like that. All of these things for us and for the team, they need to end at reasonable hours for several nights before so that nobody's showing up dragging, nobody's staying up pulling off an all-nighter, unless there's an emergency, of course, so that everybody is on top of their game for the event. And that means especially Lori and I. So we really prioritize sleep, going to bed early, getting up early for the week leading up to an event. No late nights. And then we do walkthroughs. So the way that the team does and the way that we do it with the team, the run of show, Lori and I ourselves do like what I would call rehearsals. We've got our scripts or our outlines and we'll walk through it a couple of times standing in a family room together. And I'll say, oh, I don't like how that leads into this or, you know, we'll, we'll correct each other on things, that kind of thing. And it's very important to not just get up there and, and wing it, even though we do, you know, 12 or 14 of these a year for 14 years now. You always have to make sure that you've, you know, walked through it and you've done your rehearsals. And then the day of, tell you what, we wake up and we say a prayer. I'm not even kidding. Like right before the event, we'll say a prayer. We'll say, hey, just let us be the vehicles to deliver whatever impact, whatever message that is meant to be delivered. And that takes the pressure off of us. Like, hey, we're just going to be the channel, channel through us. Let us say and do the right things. And then we trust that all this planning, we trust that all this redundancy plays out like it's supposed to. And guess what? It always does. Now, not to a T, meaning plan A doesn't always stay plan A. A lot of times it's the redundancy that saves the day. But to the user, to any of you that attend our events, it goes seamless. And that's because of everything that I've just described, you know, in the last 15 minutes. And in the end, I've got to say, we cannot do this without a superstar team. We don't accept B players. We do not accept B players. Everybody on the team, they're A players. And here's how you create A players. You know, of course, you got to hire for the right cultural fit so that you know they're going to be an A player. And then you have to set the culture yourself and reinforce the culture so that they stay A players. But best of all, you have to make sure that they're training each other up to be A players. A good example is our event planner, Dakota, who has been with us for years and years and years and years and years. She's moving on to some other things, really good opportunities. But... She's spending this entire year while she transitions into her new opportunities, a whole year still planning our events and helping Rhonda, our new event hire, side by side, you know, shadowing her and, and being on the calls with her and listening to her, how she negotiates with hotels and all that stuff. Not for one event, not for two events, but for almost all of our events this year. So it's not like a, we don't throw people to the fire. That's not how you develop a superstar team. We make sure if someone's phasing out that the people coming in are hired long before they phase out and they get to do a lot of shadowing, training, and see what does this feel like? What is the end result supposed to be like? And they're involved in all those details. That, all of that, is what goes into our events. That is how we pull off the best events for you to come and transform at. And by the way, if you want to experience one, if you haven't, there's two really good options coming up for you. Uh, our next roundtable is going to happen in April. 
if you want to get on the early access list for Roundtable, because that's just 15 entrepreneurs, 48 hours of peer strategy and collaborating, it might be one of the best things that we do. It is definitely the best bang for the buck. Like it moves the needle the most for the buck. If you want to come to a Roundtable, then just text the word Roundtable so I know to put you on the early access list. Text the word Roundtable to me at 310-421-0416. And if you want to come to the next dinner, the next day in dinner, which is our advanced networking program, I mean, they're elegant. They're like being at like a Hollywood opening. I'm not kidding. If you want to come to that and be with like really high level advanced entrepreneurs, then text the word dinner to me at 310-421-0416 because the next one is in Beverly Hills at the end of May. And we're coming out with a new option for you to join us where you get to pick any two out of the following three dinners so that you've got a little bit more flexibility. And of course, that'll be a little bit reduced rate because you're going to two, not three in a year. And so that's going to be a smash hit. And the next venue is a little bit bigger than this one. So we can fit a few more seats at the table. Not many, but a handful. So if you want to go to our next advanced networking event, the dinner series, uh, Beverly Hills in May, we're going to open up those seats really soon. So text me the word dinner to 310-421-0416. So whether you text me the word roundtable or whether you text me the word dinner or both, I'll put you on those early access lists and you can come experience for yourself firsthand how all of this comes together. And if you're going to be doing your own events, you yourself want to go experience events like this so you know how to pull off and what to duplicate and what to do at yours. Because that's how we learned it. We went to ones that we liked, we went to ones that we didn't like, and then we emulated the ones that we liked and learned from the ones that we didn't. It's the best hack there is. Hope to see you at one. And to anyone who's going to the dinner series tomorrow, I can't wait to freaking see you. Thanks for listening, guys. Love and appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.